Welcome to Policy Chats, the official podcast of the School of Public Policy at the University of California, Riverside. I'm your host, Maddie Bunting. Join me and my classmates as we learn about potential policy solutions for today's biggest societal challenges. Joining us today is San Bernardino County Registrar of Voters, Bob Page. My fellow classmate, Alfredo Barcenas, and I chatted with him about the various ways to vote in this upcoming election. Well, Mr. Page, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We are so excited to speak with you about voting and voting by mail in this upcoming election. You are the Registrar of Voters for San Bernardino County. You know, across this country, as we all prepare and begin to vote, every state has different rules and policies. And, you know, within California, every county has different rules and policies. Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order earlier this year stating that every registered voter in California will receive a vote by mail ballot for the upcoming election. It was possible to vote by mail in previous elections. So I'm just curious Why is voting by mail significant this year? It seems to be a large topic of conversation. Well, uh, first, I I appreciate the question. and I also appreciate the opportunity to talk today about this upcoming election. Uh, It's very important for all of our voters in our region to understand what the potential changes are um, and understand that what receiving a mail ballot at home means for them and, and what options are still available for them to cast a ballot. So, The governor's executive order was just kind of the start of the process. Um, That requirement from the state is actually now codified in the elections code. Assembly Bill um, 860 actually made that part of the law that we have to mail a ballot to all active registered voters. So um, the reason given in that legislation and as well as in the executive order was that it, it was felt that at the time that we were discussing how to prepare for this election under under the COVID pandemic, we still at the time had people at state with uh, stay at home orders. The feeling was is that was going to be a way to provide a safe and secure way for everyone to have an opportunity to vote in this important election. Wonderful. And, you know, voting by mail is one option. There are many options with voting. Um, can you speak to how the county will ensure the safety of poll workers as well as those who choose to vote in person as that many people may may choose that option? Correct. Yes, we are um, required, in addition to mailing a ballot to every voter, we are also required to provide in-person voting opportunities, um, which includes not just polling places, but also our office. Uh, Early voting started on Monday this week uh, in our office. We also open up five additional early voting locations throughout our county uh, in Ontario, Victorville, uh, Apple Valley, Joshua Tree, and another location here in the city of San Bernardino. Uh, the week of October 26th. They'll be open all five days that week, Monday through Friday. And so uh, as well as then polling places will be open for four days starting October 31st um, through November 3rd. And um, what we are doing to ensure that our election workers as well as voters are safe when they come into any of our locations is that we have secured a a large amount of personal protective equipment. So uh, all of our election workers will be wearing face masks as well as plastic face shields over those. Um, We are providing gloves, lots of hand sanitizer, cleaning supplies. Our poll workers or election workers have been trained that they should clean the high-touch surfaces throughout the day. 
Uh, and they're also being trained to implement social distancing guidance in our voting locations. We're, one of, example I'll give you is that we have printed um, uh, probably a couple thousand uh, floor stickers that say, you know, stand six feet apart. And we'll be giving those to elections workers to set up when people are standing in line to check in. Um, we already have those set up in our hallway here at our office for early voting, but the same will be done at our other early voting sites and our polling locations. And finally, I'll say that if a voter comes into our uh, voting location not wearing a face covering, we will we purchase enough um, disposable face masks to offer those to the voters as well. Um, if a voter still refuses to wear a face mask when they, they come in, um, we will offer to everybody else who's in the room and all the other voters that are present, we will offer them a plastic face shield to wear to provide them with some extra protection because we can't mandate that a voter wear a face covering while they're voting because the right to vote is a constitutional right and, and that's not something that we can abridge. So we have to allow somebody to vote and we just wanna make sure we're, we provide extra protection to those around them if somebody's not willing to wear a face covering. Great, thank you. And I, I think that's really important. And I really appreciate you providing, you know, clarification on the importance of safety, providing, you know, uh, any type of face covering for someone to be able to feel comfortable to vote. Um, I want to ask a question and turn a little bit to the California Voters Choice Act. Um, and I know okay. it was a law that was passed in 2016, um, aimed at modernizing elections by allowing voters to choose how, when, and where to cast their ballot. So San Bernardino County doesn't follow that model, but I understand that you have evaluated it. How does your current model differ? Um, well, what I would say is that for this election, there'll be very little differences um, between how we operate our polling places and how um, counties that have adopted the Voters' Choice Act uh, operate their voting centers. Um, and the reason I say that is that the only main difference between us and a Voters' Choice Act county is that we assign voters within precincts to go to a specific um, polling place. Um, and with this election, as I mentioned, our polling places will be open for four days, which is more aligned with what a vote center would be. And Voters' Choice Act counties for this election actually have been allowed not to have to have their vote centers open for 10 days before and only have to have them open the same days our polling places are open. So the main difference really for this election is that we assign voters to a polling place. But the last point I will make is that if somebody goes to a polling place other than the one they've been assigned to, um, we can still assist them without them having to vote provisionally. We, ahead of the March primary election, we uh, purchased and implemented electronic rosters in our polling places, uh, electronic poll pads, which has our entire uh, roster of voters uh, in our county on each poll pad. So if somebody goes to the, the to the wrong polling place, we can still look them up, determine which ballot type they are, they're eligible to vote on. And if we don't have a printed version of that ballot in our polling place, we have at least three um, accessible um, ballot um, marking devices that they can use that has every single ballot type in our county available on it. So um, we still provide many of the services that they do at vote centers. Um, we provide, if somebody does, misses the registration deadline of Monday, um, October 19th, and shows up at our polling place and wants to vote but isn't registered, we can do conditional voter registration at our polling place and give them a provisional ballot. Um, we can do all the, all the same kind of things they do at a vote center. Interesting. And that actually sparks a question with me. You know, we all know states within the United States handle elections differently, including registration deadlines and various other factors of voting. Do you see other states following California 
in the California Voters' Choice Act, um, maybe extending same-day registration? Um, do you think we will continue to stay unique in this, or do you think it will become more of a national precedent? Well, I, I would say that in this election, we are seeing a number of states um, expanding the ability of their voters to vote by mail, which is the the initial um, tenant of all of the Voters' Choice Act is that all voters receive a, a vote by mail ballot. Um, and then they have their option of either mailing it back or coming to a vote center to vote. So obviously with this election and with the pandemic, that's something that you're seeing that shift. Uh, it is typical in elections that when temporary changes are made like this for an election um, and they become popular, they, they cannot end up becoming the law and the, the procedure going forward. So uh, I think time will tell to see how this election goes, how many states continue that expansion of, of vote by mail and, and going that direction. Um, but you know, I, I can't predict, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. Very interesting. Thank you. So again, going back to within the state voting is under county jurisdiction. So you represent San Bernardino County. How are you collaborating with neighboring registrar of voters or the California secretary of state, Alex Padilla to ensure accurate and efficient election results? Yeah, so um, we have been actually, the Secretary of State has convened uh, working groups or task force going back to late March when we started first discussing how to conduct this election and what improvements we could make to ensure that voters could vote safely and securely. So those those efforts have continued. They, they include not just counties and, and the Secretary of State's office, but they also include voter advocacy groups, representatives of special districts, cities. Um, there's been some, some uh, officials uh, who work for state legislators in those calls. So those have continued. We have weekly calls every Friday morning to talk about the latest issues and and whatever's um, coming up that next week that's important for us to kind of hash through or, or talk about examples of things we're finding. So um, that, that collaboration is ongoing. Um, it's something that's obviously very important as we all try to work together to uh, ensure that um, we un- you know, identify the common messages, even though we might have some differences here and there in terms of how we conduct our elections. Um, that we still are, are focusing on the on the bigger issues that we can make sure voters are informed of and have the information they need to be able to exercise their right to vote. Would you say that you know this election, the the push to vote has been greater than in past years? Have you, you know, from the state to the county level, has there been more marketing, more uh, more work into spreading the word? Just given COVID nineteen and people perhaps you know, feeling uncomfortable with voting by mail or, or voting in person? Have you have you seen a greater push this election? Uh, I would say yes. But part of that is because um, the state law that was enacted for this election requires it. Um, so we have expanded our voter education and community outreach efforts. Um, we have um, been in, you know, improving that communication. We have been making community presentations for the past six weeks or so. I've, I've made about 30 presentations to various community groups and, and have an, another 30 or so that are planned uh, between now and October 24th. Uh, we are, we, we've not typically in our office, haven't had the budget for radio ads or that kind of thing, but the state did allocate some money in the budget for us to do an expanded voter education campaign. So we are adding, um, you know, paid advertisements and, and other, you know, d- developing videos and other things that we haven't had the resources to do in the past. So that's been a nice change to be able to better educate the voters about um, how they can exercise their right to vote. 
Council member Jan Harnick of the City of Palm Desert talks about policy innovation after disasters on October 22nd at 2 p.m. Learn more about this UCR School of Public Policy seminar at spp.ucr.edu. You can also find the RSVP link in our show notes. So many people uh, this year are going to be casting their ballot for the first time. And I'm sure, Maddie, you remember when you voted for your first time. And, you know, I, I still remember when I first voted for the first time. This year, my sister is going to be one of those people voting for the first time. So how can the county guarantee and ensure that their ballot is going to be safe, uh, confidential, and be counted as part of the November 3rd general election? So first, I will say that... Um, we here at the Registrar Voters Office, and I'm sure at every other Registrar Voters Office throughout the state, you know, we take our jobs very seriously and, and our responsibility to um, ensure that all voters who have the right to vote can exercise that, that we provide plenty of access, um, giving them, making sure all their options are available to them. Um, and that's something we'll continue to do. Um, you know, as, as we mentioned in the beginning of this, we are mailing a ballot to everybody so that if they do not wish to vote in person because of the pandemic, they have that option. They don't need to come and uh, interact with, with us in our office to do so. Um, but all the other options are still available for people who wish to vote in person. Uh, so just if I could quickly just kind of outline what we're doing to ensure people have that, they have options and, and can choose what they believe is the safest way is that we do prepay the postage on our return envelopes. So if somebody wants to use the US Postal Service to return their ballot, they don't have to pay anything to do so. Second, as I mentioned, we have a, um, a number of locations that we open up our office, early vote sites and polling places where if they want to vote at home on that ballot, put it in the envelope, sign it, date it and seal it. They don't necessarily have to check in at a polling place or any of our sites. They can just come in and drop it off at one of those locations. Very quick, easy process. Additionally, um, we uh, expand have expanded because the state required we do so for this election, the number of mail ballot drop boxes that we, we offer. In the March, March election, in the primary, we had about, uh, I think we had 56 drop-off locations. Um, all, the county, um, all the county library branches, as well as all the city clerk's offices were places that our voters could drop off their mail ballot. Uh, we've now expanded that to 70 locations, and we've moved from having those ballot boxes on the countertops in those, those facilities to being outdoor installed secure mail ballot drop boxes um, that we've been installing the last few weeks and putting uh, at various locations in the county. The reason we made that decision was at the time we had to make that choice, um, county offices were still closed to the public. A lot of city offices were still closed to the public. All county library branches were closed to the, to the public that month. And I, not knowing at that time what would be we'd be dealing with with COVID right now, made the choice that it was a safer approach to um, install boxes outside so that if public access was restricted or limited to any of the, the traditional locations we used, voters still had a place that they could drop off their ballot. So that's another option that's available to them. And finally, if somebody wants to vote a polls ballot and vote in person, that's still available. And um, the other, the, as I said, we've got a number of safety measures in place to ensure that they can do that safely and securely. The last thing I will say though, um, is that um, while it's very important for us to make every effort to ensure that every ballot that we receive is counted. There are some cases where a mail ballot sent to us um, is challenged and not actually taken out of the envelope and, and counted. So I, I want to use this as an opportunity to, to talk to the voters and, and remind them of, of the importance of some of the instructions. So the first is, is that if you're going to return a mail ballot in the envelope, 
it must be either dropped off at one of the locations I said, such as our office or a Dropbox by 8 p.m. on November 3rd. The other option is if you use the Postal Service, it must be postmarked by November 3rd. So, you know, if you're dropping it off in a, in a, in a mailbox, make sure you look at, at what the next pickup time is. And if you're dropping it off in the afternoon of the 3rd, there may not be another pickup time that day and it may not have a, a postmark. That's one of the main, one of the, one of the two largest reasons why mail ballots in the past have not been counted is because the postmark date is after election day. The uh, other is uh, important thing in and the major reason why ballots mail ballots sometimes are not counted is for a signature issue either the voter failed to sign the outside of the envelope when they returned it or the signature they provided did not match in our opinion the signature we had on file for the voter um, while that's important and we want voters to do that at the front end i can assure them that um, there is a process for contacting them if we have an issue with the ballot related to their signature we are required to mail them a notice, giving them until two days before we uh, certify the election to correct that signature issue. Uh, the other thing that's new for this election that's being offered is uh, where my ballot, uh, where's my ballot, um, which is a service uh, ballot tracking service offered by the Secretary of State. Um, we signed up for that. So every voter in our county now can go to the Secretary of State's website um, to that to that where's my ballot site and sign up to receive notifications. They can get either an email notification, a text message notification, or a phone message at certain uh, steps in the process. So we mailed all of our mail ballots out. I had signed up, so I got a text message Monday morning saying my ballot had been mailed, it was on its way. Um, once I voted and return it to uh, the registrar's office for, for uh, processing, I'll get another notification that says that the registrar of voters office has received my ballot. Uh, and at the point at the end, once um, hopefully my staff determines my ballot's eligible to be counted, um, then uh, I will get a notification that says that my ballot's been counted. And if there's an issue with it that the ballot gets challenged for any reason, in addition to the letter that we send out to voters, um, they will also get that notification from where's my ballot saying, hey, your ballot's been challenged. Please contact your registrar voters office to um, rectify the situation. I think it's really informative to hear all the mechanisms that are put in place to ensure people feel comfortable to, you know, mail in their ballot. So I think we hear a lot of concerns from the public, you know, wondering if their ballot is going to get counted. Should the community be concerned um, on the safety or, you know, the aspect that it's going to get counted and that it's okay to mail in their ballot? I, I will tell you that while the, while the Postal Service has advised um, counties and, and voters to make a plan and vote and, and drop their, their ballots back in the mail early, like a week early. While the Postal Service has told people it could take up to a week uh, for mail to go from point A to point B, the experience I've had this week is that it's much quicker. So, um, you know, they're, we're working very well with the, with the Postal Service and, and with the Secretary of State's office to ensure this goes smoothly. But I've, I've not seen any problems yet in terms of uh, the speed of the mail. But Obviously, if somebody's concerned about that, we have other options for them. Uh, if they feel comfortable with the Postal Service, uh, I would advise not to wait until November 3rd to actually put it in the mail. Social injustice, health disparities, climate change. Are you interested in solving pressing challenges like these currently facing our region and the world? Then consider joining the next cohort of future policy leaders like me by applying for the UCR Master of Public Policy program. Learn more at MPP ucr.edu. You can also find the link in our show notes. Thank you for thoroughly explaining, you know, what the county and what the state is doing 
to to help voters and to calm some of those nerves. But there has been for a long time now talk about voter intimidation mm-hmm. um, and the various mechanisms that can take place. Can Are you worried about voter intimidation? Is that something that's on your radar? Um, well, I will say that um, because our uh, operations are transparent and can be observed in, in our polling places and our office, part of our training for our election workers is always on how to provide good public service, um, how to de-escalate potential situations if somebody is upset about something. Uh, so that's a key part of, of our, our training of our staff and our, and our temporary election workers that we have. So specifically for polling places, um, I can share a couple of things. One is that, um, well, first, let me talk about the, the drop boxes. I know we've had questions about the security of the drop boxes. The drop boxes have been installed outside. They're made of 18-gauge steel. They weigh about 200 pounds, so they're not something somebody could just easily pick up and walk away with uh, without special equipment. But even if somebody wanted to do that, um, they are anchored and bolted to the concrete pads that, that they're set on. Right? And those those concrete anchor bolts can only be accessed if you have the two separate keys to be able to unlock the bottle retrieval door to access them. They're inside the box themselves. They're not outside. Um, and we're working with other public agencies and, and um, schools and others to, to locate those and, and working with them to ensure they put them in a place where they can keep an eye on them. Uh, if they find that somebody has... Um, put graffiti or deface those boxes in any way that they report that to us immediately. Um, so we're taking that that very seriously in terms of the security of the ballots put in the drop boxes. At our polling places, as I said, we do provide de-escalation skills training to our, our staff uh, and provide them with training to ensure that things go as smoothly as possible. Um, in terms of some of the reports that there may be intermi- intimidation, we have been meeting now for a couple months with the Sheriff's Department and discussing different things we can do um, that are kind of behind the scenes as not and not as apparent to voters because we can't we can't put a security guard or a sheriff's deputy out in front of every polling place with a with a gun that that would be perceived as intimidation of voters and and in the wrong end of the spectrum of of potential voter suppression. So what we've done is that we've made sure that all the city police departments in our in our county as well as the sheriff's department have been given the the locations of all of our polling places, all of our drop boxes, all of our early vote sites. Um, they've provided me with all of their non-emergency numbers to have conversations with them while voting's going on so we can address issues. But we're also, uh, in addition to having um, training of, of de-escalation skills to our, our poll, poll workers, um, we also have trained them, obviously, if there is a situation that develops at your polling place that creates an immediate danger, we do ask that you call 911. And by giving the law enforcement officials in our county our locations and having that working relationship with them for now a couple months, that should result in a much quicker response time to deal with potential issues. Um, so we are taking this seriously, but it is a, a balance to of, of how we can appropriately provide a secure space for voting without having any kind of a show of force that would intimidate others. That is great work. Yes, I think every voter and possible voter will be very glad to hear, you know, those measures are being taken so we've, we've discussed the various ways to vote, such as in person at bowling places, through a drop box, or through the postal service. And as people are now receiving their ballots in the mail, as you just mentioned, is there one method you would recommend over another? Um, actually, no. Um, and the reason for that is that um, part of our important part of our voter education messaging, and the first part of that is, this is the voter's ballot. You know, our message is your ballot vote safe, vote early. So um, 
we just want to make sure that the voters are educated about all their different choices, whether that's putting it in the mail, dropping it at a Dropbox, coming to one of our early vote sites uh, or our office or a polling place to vote. You know, we, it, it, it's, it's the voters' choice, you know, once they, we explain to them all the safety measures we're taking, we've taken and what we have put into place. But it's ultimately their choice about what they feel is the best way to vote. So I don't wish to, to steer people towards one direction. I just want them to know that every option we're providing them, we believe is safe and secure. And, and really that choice lies with them in terms of what they feel most comfortable um, doing in this election and, and, and returning their voted ballot. There's news that the USPS might be overwhelmed in the next coming weeks with all these ballots coming in. So would you recommend that people cast their ballots earlier, later on, closer to election day, or does, does that matter? Um, we are um, encouraging people to vote early. As I said, um, our message is your ballot, vote safe, vote early. And, and the reason is that not necessarily um, because it's this election, but it's because historically the presidential general election has the highest voter turnout. And so there's a number of opportunities for voters to not have to wait until November 3rd to vote. And we'd like them, as many of our voters as possible, to take advantage of that. Um, and so, you know, whichever method they choose, if they want to vote in person, you know, they, they can come to our office now if they want to vote. We had about, um, I want to say about 250 voters come in on Monday. Um, and I think another 100 or so come in yesterday. Uh, obviously, we've got 1.1 million voters, so that's just a small number. But um, the more people that vote earlier, the, the earlier we can get processing uh, those ballots and um, ensure that we can have everything done by December 1st, which is our legal deadline. Um, so we do encourage people to, to vote early. And if they want to vote in person and not, not drive to San Bernardino, um, you know, as I said, we'll have those five additional locations that are open the week of October 26th. And then we'll have 210 polling places that are open for four days. So if they want to vote on, on Halloween, on October 31st, the polling places will be open from 10 to 6. Um, they'll be open those same hours on Sunday the 1st and Monday the 2nd. And then on November 3rd, all of our polling places will be open from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m. So if people want to wait till late day, they can, but they should be prepared for, for waiting in a line. Um, given the large turnout, we typically do have lines at our polling places. And because of the health and safety measures we're taking at the polling places, uh, it should it will take a little longer to vote because we've got to clean surfaces between voters and do those kind of things um, and have we'll have less polling, you know, potentially in, in polling places we've used in past elections when we couldn't get a larger polling place just because of the availability of community spaces in that neighborhood. Um, there, there will be less uh, check in stations and less voter booths so that we can put those six feet apart. So um, we are encouraging people to vote early because that is a potential if if. Too many people wait until November 3rd. We will have lines and there'll, there'll be a, a long wait to vote. And we'd like to avoid that if we could. Yes, yes, of course. Well, I hope everyone, however they choose to submit their ballot, that they make a plan, you know, and whether that's voting by mail early, in person, I think just doing your research, you know, studying the propositions and, and the candidates and making a plan to, to physically turn in that ballot, however you do so, is of the utmost importance. Mr. Page, thank you so much. You have shared such important um, and pertinent information. And I know our listeners will appreciate it. And I hope, again, that this just encourages everyone to exercise their right to vote. So thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you for this opportunity to provide some information to your listeners about this election. Policy Chats is a production of the UC Riverside School of Public Policy. 
Our theme music was composed by C. Codain. I'm Maddie Bunting. Till next time.